Welcome to Podcasting Experiments from the Creative Studio. Most podcasters stick with the normal podcasting practices, but you, you're different. You like to try different things. You do it like this, and then you break the mold. Now, in this fifth season, we're going to be talking with people that are doing something unique with their podcast. Maybe it's their format, their philosophy, their niche, whatever it is. We're going to find out what makes them tick. We're going to see what works and what doesn't. We'll see what we can learn and then be able to apply to our own podcast as well. You can visit our website at podcastingexperiments.com. Now, I'm doing some rebranding with this podcast. As you've already heard, I'm changing the name from Creative Studio Podcasting Experiments to Podcasting Experiments from the Creative Studio. Not a huge difference, but a difference nonetheless. And so right now, I'm just announcing it here in the audio But in the next episode or two, you're going to start seeing some changes in the visual branding as far as the cover art and the uh, actual text that you'll see in the uh, title and things like that. And so that is coming up. Make sure to look for it. Now, today we're going to be talking with Glenn Hebert, who's also known as Glenn the Geek, and he's also America's horse husband. He began the horse radio network in 2006, and he has grown it into a successful business. Now, we're going to be talking about treating your podcast as a business and the advantage of a strong niche and the power of involving listeners. All right. Now, before we jump into the interview today, let's pause for a meta moment. This is where we review one or two podcasts about podcasting on this podcast about podcasting. Now, today's meta moment is Podcasters Roundtable. It's hosted by Ray Ortega and the regular co-hosts, Daniel J. Lewis and Dave Jackson. They both bring on different podcasters to have roundtable discussions about different aspects of podcasting. And so it's not a how-to podcast. It's more of kind of a discussion about kind of principles and uh, discussions. And a lot of times they pick uh, topics that are controversial. And so just kind of hash it out and kind of get different uh, viewpoints. And so it's very, very interesting, very good. And so you can find out more by going to podcastersroundtable.com. And now we get to our interview with Glenn Hebert. I was working for a retail company back in 2006. And I knew about this podcast that Leo Laporte was doing over to Twit. And I listened to Twit every week, thought that was pretty cool and said, I can figure that out. I'm a little bit of a geek. I can figure out how to do that. And back in those days, it wasn't easy. (laughs) So, I mean, just learning RSS feeds back in those days was kind of clunky. So I did it for the retailer for a little while. That was my first show called The Talking Equine Show. It was a horse retailer. We just interviewed people in the industry. It sounded terrible. The show notes probably looked terrible. Everything about it was pretty terrible. And then I left that retailer, stopped doing podcasting. About a year later, I had worked for a company as a consultant and the object was to sell the company. So we did. And I said, what am I going to do now? And I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to consult for some other companies. But in the meantime, I'm going to start podcasting again. That was kind of fun. That was at the very beginning of when iTunes was coming out and had been out now. And at least there was a way to listen to them beside your computer. It was getting a little tiny bit easier. And that's when I started the Horse Radio Network. We started with one show. We had the Horse Radio Network from day one, though. People ask me that all the time. When we had the Mm -hmm. Stable Scoop show, we also had the Horse Radio Network. I always knew I wanted a network. 
So I just listened to episode one, ironically enough, of the Stable Scoop show back in 2008. And it says right in the beginning, Horse Radio Network. And people say, well, how can you call it a network if you only have one show? Well, networks start with one show. That's, <laughs> that's how networks start. They start with one show. You have to start somewhere. So we just went with that and then eventually added shows and to where we are now. Matter of fact, that host, after nine years and 460 some episodes over nine years, just left. She was my first co-host and she just got a really, really good job and was not going to have time to do the shows as well. So we're rebranding that show and redoing the content of that show right now. We're in the process of that and really getting the listeners involved in what's going to happen with that show. So that's kind of neat. It's very sad because I loved working with her every week for nine years, but also things move on and then you adjust. Yeah, I think I remember hearing that. I actually just kind of, I don't listen to your podcast. Well, unless you love horses. Yeah, exactly. I don't have horses. (laughs) And so, I mean, one day I have it in my head. Me and my wife, we team talk about like, let's go out to the country. But I'm like, yeah, we get some horses. They're too much work and cost way too much. (laughs) (laughs) That's her argument. She's right. So so anyway, but I did kind of catch a little bit. I did hear you talk about co-host leaving. And so. And that was Um, hard for the audience, too, because she was the first. We have 32 now, but she was mm -hmm. the first and had been every week for nine years. And people got through divorces and everything else. And our shows are very much, we let it out there. They know what our lives are. And in the horse world, our lives revolve around horses, but we also have lives. We also get married. We have kids and her kids. Her kids now 12, but basically grew up on the show. So that was hard because the audience was invested in her. So that's hard when they leave after the audience is invested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so anyway, so you got all this stuff going on. You talked about the professionalism. You've approached podcasting. You started it, obviously, with the intent of growing it because you called it a network. And so I know that I've heard you talk about this topic of treating your podcast like a business and maybe explain just a little bit about what you mean by that. Maybe a little bit of how to... And that's because I always wanted it to be a business. I I admire those podcasters that do this for fun. Sometimes I wish I was just doing it for fun. There would be a lot less headache. But I always wanted it to be our business. I always wanted to be a business that my wife could eventually leave her job, which she did. And we could work together. We work together very well. We have for 30 years. And I always wanted it to be my income. I always wanted it to be my livelihood. So I knew that I wanted to stop consulting in the horse world for companies at some point and that I wanted this to become a full-time business. So I treated it as a business from day one, which means that everything we do is calculated as how can we make income off of that? Yes, how can we make the listeners happy? But making the listeners happy makes them want to buy the product that we advertise, which makes the sponsors happy. So there's that circle there all the time. We're looking at that circle. How can we keep everybody in the circle happy, including us having fun and not trading our values for the business? So our mission statement is uniting the horse world one show at a time. The horse world's always been fractured. It's a hundred little silos. And we've been getting a lot of compliments from high level industry people that they think that our network has done that to some extent. We have brought all of these different silos under one umbrella where they're all talking to each other now. And that's never happened before in our industry. We have over 70 media partners and magazines and blogs and websites and things. So those media partners are all contributing. And now some of those are working with each other. So we've been a conduit for a lot of people to come together 
And again, that's part of business, right? It's those building of relationships that has caused us to grow to the point where we are now. It's that relationship building and looking at it as a business from day one, that was always a plan, is to build those relationships because relationships are what make a business. Mm -hmm. Well, excellent. Yeah, I like that. Now, how much time do you normally put in? About 100 hours hours a week each time. It's a lot of time. Yeah. But, you know, we work at home. So way that's a good thing in a way that's a bad thing because work is always there. And I did have an occasion over the 30 years that we've been together. We've had occasions where we've both had full-time jobs. It was the best thing that ever happened. We had a paycheck coming in and we could leave at five (laughs) o'clock. It was so nice. But were we having the most fun we were ever having? No. I think we're having the most fun now, even though we're probably not making as much money as we did then. And we certainly don't have the time we did then, but we're having more fun now. And for us, quality of life is more important at this point. And this is something that we can see ourselves doing forever. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Definitely something to be able to strive for. Definitely things to be able to keep in mind, though, too, for the listener to really evaluate what it is that's most important and that to be able to. Everybody has this dream of working for that. themselves. What they don't dream about is the hours you're going to put in. Yes, you hire people. Yes, you farm some of that out. But ultimately, it still comes back to you. You're still the one in charge. You're still the one that has to, in the end, make sure it's done correctly. So you're still the one that's going to be putting in the hours. And it could be that I'm doing it all wrong. That could be, too, that we're just doing it wrong. (laughs) But I'll take that. (laughs) We're having fun doing it wrong. Well, if you're doing wrong, I won't let you know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And leave us in our little happy place here. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And so another thing I think that's really cool is I've heard you mention a little bit about the engagement that you have with your audience, with your sponsors, and how you're just able to kind of like bring them all together. And again, just listening to Don here, you can definitely hear all the interaction, and it's like everybody knows everybody, and it's just one big happy family kind of thing. And maybe it's not always that way, but that is kind of the impression that I got. So how are you able to gender that? I'm sure there's a Yes, there is. We try and get the listeners involved as much as we can in everything. We have a group of our Patreons. They go to Patreon and they donate. And we have a couple hundred, 250 or 60 of those now. They're all in their own private little Facebook room. That's our auditor room. We call them auditors. And their auditor room, they have their own place, safe. And it's the most active Facebook page I have ever seen. There must be 100 posts a day in there. It's just crazy. I can't even keep up with it anymore. And they talk about everything. They have become this big family. So they're our focus group. We have the best focus group anybody could ever ask for in those people. And horse people are not just passionate about their hobby. They are addicted to their hobby. They spend all their time and all their money on horses. And they spend all of their free time talking to other people about horses. That's the advantage we have as podcasters in our world is that we are walking into an addicted group. That's all they want to do. And you'll know this. If you have anybody in your Facebook feed that's a horse person, all you're going to see is pictures of their horses. You won't see pictures of their kids, their house. You'll see pictures of the barn and their horses. And everybody's shaking their head now that has a horsey friend. But for us, that's perfect. I mean, we really have the most perfect audience because they truly are invested 100 percent, 100 hours a week into their hobby. And they work for their hobby. You know, so everything involves around their hobby. So for us, it's easy to get them involved. And we do that in a number of different ways. Our auditors, our Patreon people, we get them involved in every decision almost that we make. With the rebranding of the Stable Scoop show, we have to pick out new music, which, by the way, is the thing I hate the most about 
It's the most time-consuming thing you do to start a new show, in my opinion, is pick out the music that just is appropriate and fits perfectly. And you listen to 100 songs. It's just like, oh, I can't do this anymore. So I put it out in the Facebook room. And they were all on there on audio blocks, picking out music and making suggestions. And I took one of their suggestions. So we get them involved in almost everything we do. We have a thing we do on Horses in the Morning, our daily show, our live show, every Friday called Really Bad Ads where listeners submit, and this is our biggest thing we do every week, we get double the audience on Fridays. Horse husbands listen to that show. Non-horsey people, Dave Jackson, tunes in to listen to that show on Fridays because of really bad ads. And they submit really bad Craigslist or Facebook ads of people trying to sell horses. And basically, my co-host Jamie and I make fun of them for half an hour. It's hilarious (laughs) because some of them are so bad. You know, they're just really bad. We've been doing it for six years now, every Friday. And the listeners submit those. We have prizes that we give away at the end of the month. But listeners submit the really bad ads and they scour their Craigslist for them. And then we started about a year ago, we started giving them double the entries into the drawings for the prizes if they record their own. Well, some of these people are really good. So now half of the bad ads we do on Fridays are recorded on their phones and sent to us. It's in their voices. And there's two of them that have become fan favorites that are just really good at listening or reading them. So... Bad ads is a way that we've really gotten the listeners involved over the years. We do a lot of game shows, too, over the years on Horses in the Morning. We've done trivia contests. We've done game shows. And we get them involved in those. We get the listeners on for those. We do listener roundtables. I just edited one of those today where the three of the listeners get together and they just talk about subjects that are hot right now or just daily life, how to deal with horses and work and things like that. So we get them involved in the roundtables. They're very popular episodes because it's listeners talking about problems that every listener listening has, right? They all have those same problems. Movie reviews. We have listeners do movie reviews, and that could be horsey or not horsey, just any movie reviews if they've just been to a movie. Live reports from events. We get our listeners, if they're at a horse show, and we can get them on live or record it live, we'll get them on to do a report from the horse show. We do Q&A with professional riders. So we ask for questions from listeners, and then we'll do a Q&A session with a professional rider. So we get them involved that way. But the favorite thing for our auditors, for the ones that pay to be a Patreon, is one of our companies, and this ties back to sponsorships, one of our sponsors is a retailer. They approached me about, hey, can we do product reviews? Their manufacturers wanted product reviews. They always like having product reviews because they're free, right? And they can just send a product out and get that done. So we made a deal with the retailer that they would ship 52 products out and we would do one product review a week. But us as hosts, we don't have time to do that. So we had them shipped to our auditors. So they're shipping helmets worth $100, breeches worth $200, some products up to five, $600 for free out to our listeners. And then we get the listener on to do a five to seven minute product review of that product. So now we have our auditors that are paying five, 10, $20 a month to be an auditor getting all of these free products. And then they get to come on our show too, which excites them, to do the review. And now we have that relationship. We cut those reviews out of the show. We send them back to the retailer who then takes that sound file. We put bumpers at the beginning and end. They take that sound file and put it on the product page so that people coming to their product page for that product can hit play and listen to a review by somebody like them. So there's the circle again. How can you get everybody involved in the circle? Here we have listener, we have sponsor, and we have us involved in that circle. And they then go back to the manufacturers and send them the copy of the sound file. And we've gotten sponsors because the manufacturers have heard the reviews go, what's the show? 
They go back and listen to the show. They go, oh, that's cool. That's a podcast. Never heard that before. And then all of a sudden, we're in contact with them, and now they're becoming sponsors. So all of that feeds off each other. Oh, the product reviews is that, obviously, is popular. <laughs> and people become Patreon. They do the Patreon thing to get the products for reviews. But now we have hundreds <laughs> of auditors. So it's like we only have 52 products. So what we did there is we made that fun. I did Facebook Lives with one of my other hosts in the auditor Facebook room. We did Facebook Live trivia contests where we would ask questions and the first one to answer would get the product that was up. So we made a game out of it and we did that over a month doing it different nights over a month. And we made a game out of it that they were all involved in. They loved it. And it was kind of, you know, easy, fair way to distribute the product. So there wasn't any favoritism or hard feelings. It was just a fun way to do it. And it was fun for us. And it was really fun for them. So as you're telling me all this kind of stuff, part of what's going through my head and just kind of the way I think is where some of this off. Brain never stops. It just like a rock and roll concert all the time, which is really hard, by the way. It's hard to focus on anything. <laughs> I have severe ADD and it just the ideas never stop. Jennifer has to put the brakes on and say, OK, let's finish the first three and then we'll get to the next six. Radiothon is probably one. And I've <laughs> talked about Radiothon before. I don't know if you heard that one, but that was the craziest one I had. And we're at our third Radiothon this year. But that gets hundreds of listeners involved. It's we do on Cyber Monday every year. We do a 12 hour holiday radiothon. We do 12 hours live. It has about 30 hosts involved. We have listeners submit voicemails, singing songs, writing poetry about the shows and the hosts. And we play about 100 of those all day long. We get hundreds of phone calls from people. We have big name guests. We've had the guy from Sugarland last year. We get all the big names in the horse world as guests during the day. It's just a fun holiday event. And it's become a thing now. We gave away $5,000 worth of prizes last year all day long. So it just has become this huge project, which I'm already working on for this year. But it also is a moneymaker for us. We did it because what tends to happen is we collect checks from the advertisers. They tend to pay in advance. So that by the time December rolls around, that money's gone, right? So we had a lag in December. So we said, how can we make some money in December? And that's where Radiothon came up with. We had 20 advertisers involved in Radiothon last year. So, and tens of thousands of listeners. And they just want to be involved because they see a direct response. It's Cyber Monday. So they're advertising their product. The listeners go buy it for Christmas. So they saw a direct response because of that. Two years ago, retailer involved, it was the first time they'd ever done anything with us. And they do a lot of advertising across all channels. And they said that was their number one traffic source that they could identify was Radiothon. So they obviously became a, one of our biggest sponsors since then. But yeah, so that's hundreds of wow. listeners involved. Wow. It's a lot of fun. We have a good group of hosts too. All 32 of them are people we can trust that if they say, okay, we're going to take an hour of Radiothon and we're break it up into hours. And we have two MCs, Wendy and I MC from the studios here all day long. We have two producers that work that because we fill, there's 20 phone lines full all, all day and they have to answer and screen them. So it's an operation. And then we have two hosts that host that particular hour with a theme. And those hosts, I know that they'll book the top name guests and they will just make it happen. We had Charlie Daniels last year and he was so much fun. He's a horse rider and he was just a great, he was a trip. So we had the Sugarland guy this year and it just has been a lot of fun. We get to talk to our celebrity crushes too and have a good time with that. Plus the holidays, everybody's in a good mood. Nice. Yeah. But again, I did that one to raise money, but also to be ahead of everybody else. 
we're finally starting in the horse world to see some competition in the podcasting space. And I always said, I want to be first. Everybody has to catch us. But I also realize I have to keep innovating. We have to keep doing new things or we're not going to stay first. I realize that. I'm not going to make that mistake that other companies make. So Radiothon, now it's become the holiday event in the horse world because everybody can participate. And we never had anything like that before. Starting next week on the Stable Scoop show, I had a couple of weeks till the new format kicked in after my co-host left. I asked the auditors and they said, let's do a talent competition. So we're starting Equestrians Have Talent and they're all submitting songs and poetry or reading the phone book at a gallop on a horse, whatever. They're talented <laughs> and sending them in and we're going to make a competition out of it, have the listeners vote on it, and then we'll have a finals. So those things all come out of suggestions from the listeners. And again, that's going to be all listener involvement. So is there going to be like panel of judges? <laughs> yeah, I should. Exes they can the finals, we're going to do that. We're going to take <laughs> big names in from the horse world and just we'll, we'll find a Simon. Setting up the Hollywood they could send to Florida. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I think in a round, long roundabout winded way is think outside the box. Start thinking, what can I do to involve the listeners? That's a little crazy. And I know you all have different niches and some of the niches are broader. I actually think broader niches are tougher to deal with, but you all have niches. You all can make something work that involves your listeners. You really can. And they want to be involved. Look at Trivial Warfare with Jonathan. His listeners, they would die to be on his show. Now, I was on his show, and I was scared to death. I was scared to death to be on his show. And I was terrible. We were awful. But we had so much fun. So get them involved. Let them be part of the show. 20 ideas right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. That's one thing with me is a lot of times when I find myself, like even if I'm watching a movie or a TV show or whatever, my mind always goes like, well, how can I apply this to something else? And so for me, as you're explaining all of your story and things like that, I'm my mind is, I got to try to keep myself focused because my mind is trying to... Well, that's good. Good podcaster. So. I'll go through iTunes and just listen to an episode of every show in a row. And what I'm trying to do is pick out the little things that I can steal. Nothing is new, right? There's nothing new. None of us are doing anything new. We're just rebranding, repackaging, and redoing it a little bit. We're just putting a different face on it. But we have to get the ideas from somewhere. So I'm constantly listening like you. I'm constantly looking at how can I do that in a little bit different way to make it fit into my format on one of my shows. Another advantage I have is I have 14 shows. So if there's something that doesn't fit in one show, we can put it in a different show. Maybe it does fit. That is a huge advantage over having one show that is a set format. You have to experiment with something that's completely different. I will say this. If you have one show and you're kind of set in your format, we all get that way, right? And you want to try something that's off the wall and completely different, put it at the end. Just tell everybody at the beginning, okay, we're going to try something new. I got this new thing I wanted to try, but I realize most of you probably aren't interested in it. If you want to hang around, it's after the music at the end. And you might be shocked at the response you get on that. And then that might become part of your show or a new show. But we always experiment with that stuff at the end. Warn everybody it's going to be there, and they'll try it once. And if they like it, they're going to stay to the end every time. Hmm. I like that. And who knows? Maybe you have people that just skip everything else. We, we just have got that feedback. <laughs> they don't like, you know, if they don't like an interview, they'll skip ahead, but they're not going to miss the end. So that's nice. how you can play an experiment nice. and not interrupt the flow of your current show. It's a bonus. Call it a bonus. Put it at the end. And it can, it can be totally different than what your show is. But because it's at the end, it doesn't matter, right? 
It's mm-hmm. a bonus, listen or not. Yeah. Wow. I really like that. I really like that because this podcast is about experimenting with podcasts, and that's a really, really good way to be able to do that and be able to evaluate the results that way. Well, look, of just Jackson puts his cat Bernie at the end, and now Bernie has his own show. He was I so know. <laughs> oh, I just shared that with my kids today. They had a blast. Listen to it. <laughs> they put that at the end. That was always at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about doing the mic cap, but he doesn't like the meow on command like that. It's like every time he tries to meow, vocal I can't. cat. That Bernie's especially vocal. I tell you, if I, if I had to live with Bernie, I think it'd be a different yeah. story. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, I definitely appreciate the time here. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave us with before we head out? I would say don't be afraid to experiment in getting your listeners involved. Identifying your listeners, well, that's a whole topic for a different discussion for if you're new. But for those that have been around a little while and you know you have a core, whether it's 20 or 50 or 100 or whatever, find ways to get them on your show. They want to be on your show. I don't know if you've listened to Horses in the Morning. That's our daily live show. We do what we call a daily Winnie every day. It's a shout out. At the beginning of every show, we do a daily Winnie and we do the birthdays. We do happy birthdays to our auditors because we know what their birthdays are. We're all Facebook friends. I'm Facebook friends with every auditor. So I know when their birthdays are. And we missed one person's birthday two weeks ago and she was mad. She said, I took off work for an hour in the morning to and listen live to hear my name. Hmm. So those things mean something to people. It may sound simple. But boy, it means so much. And everybody we do a happy birthday for all, I get a thank you on Facebook from them because that's their biggest thing is they get a happy birthday on our show. So sometimes it's the simplest stuff that means the most to your listeners. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's episode of Podcasting Experiments from the Creative Studio. Now, remember to be on the lookout for the new branding for the podcast in the upcoming weeks. If you found this podcast helpful or interesting, please share it with a friend. Detailed show notes can be found on the website at podcastingexperiments.com. Podcasting Experiments is a production of Podcast Guy Media, LLC at podcastguymedia.com.